one of the most renowned and memorable requests from the disciples to Jesus was teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And that's my subject tonight. From the very beginning, we see intimate interaction between this invisible God that we, we serve by faith and the human race. It was, it was intimate dialogue. And the Lord made it clear throughout the entire Old Testament and into the New that he wants man to know him. And he wants man to be keenly aware of his plans and his purpose. His nature, his characteristics. He, he is interested in man, which is created after his own image. And he yearns for man to be interested in him. And so Adam and Eve, as the scripture said, the Lord walked with them in the cool of the day. Obviously, God created them, and so God initiated this conversation, initiated the, the dialogue between them. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to have been a fly on the wall then? And, and so there was this, this very close connection. And of course, it was severed by disobedience, and disobedience brought about sin. They were cast out of the garden. And the quest to bring man back had begun. The scripture, the scripture tells us in, in Jude 14 and 15, well, it tells us in Genesis that Enoch walked with God and was not where God took him. He walked with God and then he was just gone. The intimacy was so close that God chose to use Enoch as a type of the rapture, letting them know that that close intimate connection is one day going to bring you up into my eternal presence. And in Jude verses 14 and 15, the Bible said that Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Imagine, the world was still very new. They were only seven generations into creation. And this prophet... Enoch prophesied about the coming days that are yet ahead of us. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them all their, of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against. He's coming to execute judgment to convince those that are ungodly. 
of his righteousness and his power. But seven generations in, and during the time of Adam and Eve, the Lord was giving indication of things that would happen thousands of years in the future because he is a God that desires to give man insight and revelation. Noah had an ongoing dialogue with God. I don't believe Noah's conversation with God was just these few verses that we read in the Scripture. But during the hundred-plus years that Noah was building the ark, I think probably Noah had some questions about the building of this structure. Now, I know what you said, how long and how high and how many floors and one door and the windows and all that kind of stuff and two by two and seven and the clean and and whatever. But I I've met, I think I may have measured incorrectly here what I need to do to fix this. And we know that Noah had to have had very deep conversations with the Lord. And he he put that into his his wife and his sons and and their wives. And he is an example of of a righteous man. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We know that Abraham heard the the call of God in Genesis chapter 12, and he made a sacrifice. And and for several chapters, there is this ongoing dialogue between God and Abraham, but we know that was not their only discussions. We know that Abraham's life was not limited to, to that narrow, those narrow pages of those discussions, but we know that that Abraham and God continued, even off the pages of the word, to have very intimate conversations. The Bible tells us in the third chapter of Exodus that, that God heard the cries of the Hebrew children. They, they were there in slavery for uh, 430 years or 120 years, I believe, was the slavery part. And 430 years they sojourned in the land of Egypt. And not much is recorded before the call of Moses about their connection with God. We, we don't read much about them having any kind of holy convocations, any kind of prayer meetings, building any kind of altars that I remember And so it seems that the story begins with the call of Moses. And it goes backward and it talks about his upbringing and childhood. But the Bible said when he called Moses, I have heard the cry of my people. There was something inherent in their their nature, their, their DNA, their connection down through time from Father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and the other patriarchs there that that they knew that God would speak to them and yet we don't find much record of it happening for hundreds of years but God heard their cry because God is always listening for the cry of his people the Bible said that that God spoke to Aaron and Miriam at the door of the tabernacle The cloud came down and he spoke with them and he said, there's a prophet among you. He said, I will speak to him in dreams and visions, but my servant Moses is not so. For I will speak to him mouth to mouth. I want that kind of relationship with the Lord. I want it it to be 
just him talking to me and him be hearing exactly what he's saying and me speaking back to him and not in this stressful conversation as if I'm trying to manipulate God with my prayer, but communion with him, communication with him. And we find that because of that, that mouth-to-mouth uh, communication between God and Moses, that Moses was able to intercede on many occasions for the people. There was one occasion where the Lord said, I'm just done with it all. I mean, I, I haven't felt this way since the days of Moses or Noah, but I'm, I just can't take any more of this. And Moses said, well, if you're going to take them out, you're going to have to take me out too. That's, the, that's a bold statement to a God that has already made up in his mind that he's about to wipe his people out. Moses said, oh, no, no, no. We, you and I have been through too much together. And I've been on this journey, and you've been leading me, and you've told me all these things that are going to happen to your people and for your people in the future, so you, you can't do this. And someone that has that kind of connection with the Lord can make intercession with the Lord and change the mind of God. The Bible tells us that, that it happened. And the Bible tells us that, that by prayer, Joshua discerned sin in the camp on more than one occasion. occasion, And then in due process, God spoke to the judges and, and told them how and when and what to do to deliver his people when the people needed deliverance and they called upon him and they cried out to him. The point I'm trying to emphasize, of course, simply is that the Lord is ready any time, any day, any moment, in any situation to have a conversation with us. And, and he does not mind us just being blatantly honest with him. The Lord doesn't speak in the King James English. Nor does he speak in Shakespeare. You, you don't have to be eloquent of speech or of high education or have a large vocabulary to get the attention of God. The Lord is ready right now. He's listening to what is happening, what is being said, and he is speaking in this building. This dialogue with the Lord is ongoing. And we see also this deep and intimate communication between him and David as well. What a man, David. A man after God's own heart who prayed constantly. And his, his heart for God expressed was expressed through many of the chapters of the Psalms. He was a man that knew how to get his thoughts out of what was going on on the inside and get them out, write them on a page and put them to a song and put a tune and a melody with it, which moved the heart of God. And David, through that intimate relationship with God, restored the tabernacle of praise to the people of God, and it moved beyond the law into a place of, of praise. And those psalms that David wrote, they, some of them are heart-wrenching. We'll talk about a few of them here in a minute. Some of them were exalting God with words that, that we wouldn't have by any other or the book, so beautiful and so melodic in their expression. God wants us and desires for us to express ourselves to him, to let the veil down, to pull the wall down, and to just get honest with him. Solomon, 
who was the son of David, fulfilled the promises made to David after praying for wisdom in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verses 5 through 15. It wasn't actually a prayer. It was a dream, and he prayed in the dream, and the Lord spoke to Solomon in the dream, and he said, what is it that you want me to do for you? He said, I don't want anything. You don't want riches. You don't want fame. You don't want power. You don't want great authority. You, want, you don't want people singing your praises. No, I just want wisdom to rule your people well. He dreamed in a dream, and then he, the Bible said that when he awoke, that I find this a little peculiar, that he stood before the Ark of the Covenant. Now, as far as I read in the Scripture, that, that position in front of the Ark of the Covenant was only for the high priest. But the Bible said, you can read it in the third chapter of 1 Kings, that Solomon, when he awoke, he went and he stood before the Ark of the Covenant and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings. Now, if you go back to Kings, to, to King Saul, you, you will find that Saul offered a sacrifice that was not even lawful to him to be uh, offering, and he didn't stand before the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, he wasn't going into the tabernacle or anything like that. He just offered a sacrifice that the prophet Samuel was supposed to offer, and it upset God, and it angered God, and he got rebuked by Samuel. Saul did something very similar here, and I, I believe the difference in Saul and Solomon was their heart. Saul was arrogant, and it was a formality for him. It, you know, the people are getting restless. We need to get this sacrifice and stuff kind of out of the way, and the prophet's not here. Just give me some wood and put an animal there, and let's get it done, okay? We need to get off to war. There was an arrogance about Saul. But there was a humility before the downfall of Solomon. There was a humility about Solomon, and somehow it brought him to stand before the Ark of the Covenant. If you want to stand in the glory of God, live a life of humility and live a life of repentance and live a life of brokenness and this spirit, this part of you, this attitude in you that says, God, I cannot make it without you. And then, of course, Solomon dedicated the temple in prayer. And during the prayer, the glory of the Lord filled the house of God so thick that the priests could not even continue to minister. God desires to meet with his people. God worked miracles through the prayers of Elijah and Elisha. We understand that and we see these conversations ongoing with the prophets of God and the Lord calling them and some of them being reluctant men of God and the Lord like Moses, speaking to Moses, having to convince them, convince them. The Bible said that Moses was more meek than any man. There, there is something about walking softly in the presence of God. Are you here tonight? We are going somewhere. The Lord is trying to awaken a hunger for prayer in this world. I believe it with all of my heart. And he is trying to get man out of their their busyness and, and out of their distraction and trying to get them to have this, this ongoing dialogue with the Lord. Like, uh, like sometimes we don't even talk to him until 
we can get in the sanctuary or until we can get to pre-service prayer. But the Lord wants an ongoing dialogue between you and him. It ought to be an intimate friendship. He is the friend that's sticking closer than a brother. You believe that tonight? Now, in Hosea chapter 7 and verse 13, the Bible said, Woe unto them, for they have fled from me, destruction unto them, because they have transgressed against me. Though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me, and they have not cried unto me with their heart. When they howled upon their beds, they assembled themselves for corn and wine, and they rebel against me. They know how to throw a good party. They know how to go through religious exercises, but they have not cried unto me with their heart. Can I just say this without sounding abrasive here tonight? If you're just going to cry unto him with your lips, save it. But if you can get it to come from your heart, the heart of God will be moved. If you want the Lord's heart to be moved, you've got to let the Lord move on your heart. And out of the expression of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. There is nothing so powerful as a, a child of God that is crying out to the Lord with their whole heart. This, this wrenching, this burden of the Lord, this feeling of I've got to get his attention. I, I need him to know how desperate I am to be in his presence and to understand him and to know him. There is a pull toward prayer in this world and the enemy is doing everything that he can to shut it down and to dumb everything down and to get as much noise going in the world as he can. But the Bible said, if my people, if the Lord can awaken something in his spirit and the church begin to, to return to him and to cry to him, not just with our lips, but with our whole heart, God, we are desperate for revival. Lord, we are desperate for a moving of the gifts of your spirit among us. Lord, we are, we are desperate tonight, God, for the opening of the blind eyes and the unstopping of the deaf ears, the saving of the lost and the, the restoration of the backslider. Lord, we, we are desperate tonight for a moving of your spirit. Teach us to pray. The book of Psalms teaches us that, that variety and honesty in prayer are permissible. The Psalms proclaim praise, they, they ask pardon, they, they seek such things as communion and protection and vindication and healing. There's desperation in these Psalms that, that we just kind of take them for granted. We, when we really want to get into the deep, meaty stuff, you know, we go into the law or we go into the spooky stuff and the gifts of the Spirit and, 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 and we want to be all spiritual and I'm for all of that. But in the Psalms is this deep expression of praise and, and burden and desperation and exaltation of the presence and the power of God that comes out of the heart of men that were moved on by the Holy Ghost. The 86th Psalm is, is a good example of prayer. It's, a, it's a, a few verses here. It's a little lengthy, but I'm going to go ahead and read it because sometimes people don't understand how easy it is to pray. 
We don't understand how easy it is to pray. We think we have to be floating six inches off the ground. I, I, I'm all for deep spiritual stuff. I'm all for it. I'm all for being in the presence of angels. We're in the presence of angels right now. There's angels in this building right now. I, I'm for all of that. But this dialogue, walking with God in the cool of the day, Adam and Eve were not trying to be deeply spiritual or mystical. It was just communicating and communing with their creator. So David said in Psalms 86, just, just listen, just listen. It's, he's praying, he's praying. He's not reciting, he's not just writing a song. He is, he's praying, bow down, bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me. Now here, here is someone that has prayed untold thousands of prayers. And he's saying, hear me, for I am poor and needy. He was a king. Now, he may have wrote this as a shepherd. I don't know. But he saw himself as someone that, that was poor without God and desperately needed him. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou God, thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. What a declaration. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy, thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Sometimes it's just good to Affirm that to the Lord. I'm not going anywhere, Lord. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with, my, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of the violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. Show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it. <laughs> Listen to this. Show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed. Bless me, Lord. So they can feel bad. Those that hate me, God, I pray you just pour your blessings on me so they just be ashamed of themselves. That, that's getting honest with the Lord. You say, we can't pray that kind of stuff. Yeah, we can. It's right there. If you don't feel comfortable praying it on your own, just read Psalms 86. Memorize it. 86 and 17. Just anytime somebody just messing with you, just say, Lord, 
It's time to bless me so that all that hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because, yeah, because thou, Lord, hast helped me and comforted me. That's just raw. That's just real. That's real. If you don't know how to pray, start reading the Psalms. It'll teach you how to pray. Now, David's, David's prayer of repentance, we, we find in Psalms 51. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but it's a powerful chapter. I'm going to just read the first two verses. He said, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. This is after the sin of Bathsheba. This is after he put her husband on the front lines and basically conspired to have him killed. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Read that chapter 51. It's a prayer of repentance. Daily pattern prayer became very important to Daniel, the prophet who had been denied access and is carrying away to Babylon. He had been denied access to the temple. He was used to going to the temple. He was used to praying toward the temple. He was used to praying in close proximity where he could see the temple of God. And he prayed. And in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10, while everybody else in Babylon was saying, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And they hang their harps on a willow. Daniel, Daniel said, I, I'm, I'm going to pray like I, I'm still in Jerusalem. And I know the temple has been torn down and burned to the ground, but my God is still the same. And I'm going to pray just like the temple of God is still standing. I, I'm not going to let anything that I have seen or been through turn me away from a season of prayer. And the Bible said in Daniel 6 and 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the decree that nobody can pray to any other God but the God of Babylon, when he knew that writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he did formerly. Daniel's conditions did not change his dialogue with the Lord. He said he prayed just like he did formerly. Now, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, he, he rebukes religious people, people that are just walking around trying to look pious and trying to look holy, and we believe in holiness, and we believe in piety. We just don't believe in pride in our piety, and we, we don't believe in haughtiness in our holiness. We believe in humility in our holiness, and it's God's holiness. It's not us. We, we dress the way we do because the Scripture said that this is modesty, and this is covering up our, our flesh, but, but we don't walk around proud because we are religious and when thou prayest he said thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are now that that word hypocrite means one who acts pretentiously or a counterfeit a man who assumes and speaks or acts under a feigned character he looks holy but on the inside he's full of dead men's bones It means a pretender, a dissembler. You can go on down. He said, be not as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogue 
The only time they pray is when they come to church. In the corners of the streets, oh, they do stand out on the streets making sure that everybody knows how holy they are, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, however proud they are that men know what they're doing and how they're living and all that, that's their reward. They're not getting anything from the Lord because they're taking the glory from him. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Now, if you and I were having a conversation, and I, I just walked up and said, Hey, how's it going? What'd you do yesterday? And then you said, Oh, well, I was, you know, whatever. And then, I, then right in the middle of you telling me what you were doing, I said, Hey, what'd you do yesterday? And you said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. So I went down to, and I had to go to Walgreens. Well, what would you do yesterday? I, I'm tell, can you hear me? I'm, I'm telling you right now. What would you do yesterday? What would you do yesterday? What would you do yesterday? That's what some of our prayers sound like. And, and, and faith is not begging. Faith is believing. Now, that doesn't mean, he said, I heard the cry of my people, and I get that. There's brokenness in prayer at times, and there's desperation in prayer, of course, but it's not begging. Begging is unbelief. It is, it is declaring. It's understanding. Now, if, you're, if, you're, if your heart is just going to be poured out to God, don't let there be any, any begging involved in it there. That desperation is letting him know, hey, you're the only one that can do this. I cannot do this. You have to do this. It's all on you, Lord. I'm desperate for you right now. Jesus prayed all different kinds of the, of the day and the night. In, in uh, Matthew 14 and verse 23, the Bible said, When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a high mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. It was, I believe, in the third or fourth watch of the night when he came walking on the Sea of Galilee to his disciples. He had come from prayer. Jesus had been praying late into the night. He started as the sun was going down and prayed late into the night. And then in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, the Bible said, in, And in the morning, rising up great, a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there he prayed. Late at night, early in the morning, before the sunrise, after the sun goes down, all throughout the day, Jesus didn't necessarily have a certain time that he prayed. But folks, Jesus, the spotless lamb, the sinless one, the one that was perfect, that knew no sin, he prayed. He didn't pray because he was trying to keep from sinning. He was praying to have communion and dialogue with his father. His flesh, he's not a separate God for those of you that don't understand that. He was not junior God. He was not just, uh, the, or he, he was not, uh, I'm sorry. 
he was not God number two or uh, second person in a trinity or whatever. But, but his flesh, his flesh, in his flesh, he was praying to his father, the spirit, all the fullness of the Godhead was in him bodily. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he was praying to his heavenly father. People say, well, I thought, I thought, he, I thought Jesus was God. God was in Christ. God was in Christ. But his humanity was real. He did not have divine flesh. And he prayed to have communion and dialogue with his father. He, he, was, he didn't spend all of his time in prayer rebuking devils or, or wrestling with strongholds and all that. I, I agree with all that. Pulling down a spiritual warfare. I got all that kind of stuff. But when prayer first began, it was in a garden. And the Lord was walking in the cool of the day with them because he wanted to be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Are you here tonight? Teach us to pray. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, the Bible said Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about 40 days in the wilderness. What do you think he was doing? Just starving himself to death? No. He blocked everything else out, and he separated himself unto God, and he prayed those 40 days. It was on the back end of those 40 days that the devil came and tempted him three times and he didn't fight with his own strength he used the word and said it is written sometimes you need to pray the word and the bible said he came out in the power of the spirit you're not going to walk in the power of the spirit just because you decide to all right it's thursday i'm walking in the power of the spirit now You have to spend some time alone with the Lord. In verse 21 of Luke chapter 10, it said, In that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, Listen, he's praying. I thank thee, O Father. Watch this. I love this. Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent. Now, that doesn't sound like something I would pray. Lord, I'm thankful that there's some dingbats that don't know this stuff. That's what he's saying. I th- I'm thankful that you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent. They don't deserve to know it. That's raw. That's just real prayer. Jesus in his humanity is saying, I've been around these folks. I, I've, I've communicated with them. I, I have communed with them. I, I've heard their arguments. I've been under attack from them, and I'm thankful that you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent and has revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is, listen, but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and to whom the Son will reveal. If you want to know God and you want the Lord to know you, say, he already knows me, he's got the hair of my head numbered. No, I mean really know you because the Bible said that there were some that thought they knew the Lord and he cast them into a lake of fire and he said depart from me ye that work iniquity I never knew you if you want a revelation of yourself and you want the Lord to know you and you want the Lord to know and you want to know the Lord you have to have communion with him 
In John chapter 11, verse 41, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted his eyes, up his eyes, and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Imagine Jesus even feeling the need to affirm to his heavenly father. I know you hear me always. Now don't raise your hand, but how many of you believe that the Lord hears you always? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you really believe that? Because sometimes I feel like that that we think that God is, is not listening, that, that he's not moving, that he doesn't care about our prayer. I, well, we pray and it seems like nothing happens. Well, it's because we don't really get desperate before the Lord until we have these great needs in our life and they're so desperate we need the Lord to act right now. And most times he doesn't act right now the minute we start praying. Now, if we're praying for the sick, yes, he will. But if we're praying for a situation and the world's coming apart at the seams and all of a sudden we decide to pray and we need him to act right now and he didn't act right now, so we didn't feel like he heard. But when you prayed, he heard and the Lord set something in motion to begin to make sure that everything was working in your favor. In John chapter 17, Jesus intercedes for his disciples. He's nearing the end of his his life, his ministry. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, for thy son also may glorify thee, that thy son also may glorify thee. Now, let me me just ask you a question. Wasn't this process already set? Wasn't there already going to be a Savior? Wasn't he already the Savior? Wasn't he already God robed in flesh? Wasn't this whole plan laid out before the creation of the world? From the foundation of the world. Are you here tonight? Wasn't this plan already laid out? Then why would Jesus need to say, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify Wasn't that plan already decided? It was already laid out. But God has chosen by the method of prayer to take everything planned in heaven and let it be done on earth. As it is in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The only way to bring heaven's plan into earth is through prayer. You've got to open your mouth and pray it. He said, as thou hast given me, uh, given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. This is a prayer. And this is life eternal, that they might know, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. 
I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. God knew that, but he's praying it. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. The Lord knew that. God knew that. And they have received them. And they have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine. He's interceding for them. And all mine are thine. And thine are mine. And I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Thou that gave, uh, thou that, I'm sorry, those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture, he's talking about Judas, might be fulfilled. And none come to uh, come I unto thee. Now come I unto thee. I'm sorry, the King James just messes me up sometimes. And these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Because they are not in the world of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself for they also might be sanctified through the truth. Now, I can read this whole thing, but you can go, but you can go read it. The Lord was praying so intimately to his heavenly Father. This is where the rubber meets the road. Things were about to culminate, and they were about to come to fruition. There is something about the limitations of the flesh that makes us realize that there is absolutely nothing that we can do without him. Notice for 26 verses in this chapter, Jesus was not going, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Lord, your glory, 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 glory. We exalt you, Lord. We exalt you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. He wasn't doing that. He was having an open dialogue with the Lord. It sounded a bit like this. Lord, you know I've had a tough day. Lord, you know the people around me. There's been some people that kind of betrayed me today, but you brought some people to me today to strengthen me. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing these people into my life to strengthen me. And now I pray for them, Lord. I intercede, Lord, and I'm giving them everything that you gave me to give to them. I'm teaching to them as you have taught me. I'm delivering it to them. Lord, they're in the world, and it's going to be tough on them. But I need you to overshadow them and cover them and nurture them and strengthen them and protect them. That's what prayer sounds like. Prayer doesn't sound like hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God, praise God, praise God. 
to God be the glory. No, it is a conversation with the Lord. Can you please take time and learn how to have a conversation with the Lord without feeling like you've got to beg him for everything and like you've got to twist his arm. Open your mouth and talk to the Lord like he's your best friend. Why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. Now, if I had time tonight, I'd talk about all the vain repetitions in tongues too. Some of you speak in the same tongues as you did 20 years ago when you received the Holy Ghost. The reason why is because your mind is somewhere else. God doesn't say the same words over and over and over and over and over. That's his language. It's not yours. It's here and repeat. It's listening in your mind. It's let it come out. It's out of your belly shall flow. It's, it's not those same words that you've memorized for the last 20 years. It's getting a little quiet in here. There are different dimensions of the spirit. The reason we can mechanically talk in tongues and have our mind 20 miles away somewhere else is because our focus is not on him. If our focus is on him, you say, well, I'm distraction, distracted. Get rid of the distractions. You know how you do that? Lord, I've got a lot of stuff on my mind. And I'm asking you, Lord, to take everything off of my mind except what you want to do with me tonight. I want you, Lord, to let your words become my words. I want to hear your words, and I want you to speak your words out of my mouth. Lord, I don't want to worry about the bills piling up. I don't want to worry about the fussing going on around me. I don't want to worry about the trouble at work. I don't want to worry about the aches and pains in my body. Lord, I want to walk with you in the cool of the day. I want a relationship with you, intimacy. Some of you can get bored with this all you want to, but the Lord is trying to draw some people in to pray. The reason we don't pray is because we don't know how to pray. And the reason, another reason we don't, know, uh, we don't pray is because we don't believe that prayer works. When you have a constant dialogue with the Lord, uh, there are some things you won't have to ask him for because he knows what you need before you even ask. There are some things you don't know what to ask for, but the Lord is going to act on your behalf because he has been in a constant dialogue with you. I'm sorry. Sometimes I wish you could see what I see. I love you, and I'm not trying to be unkind, but why in the world come to the house of the Lord and not have an encounter with the God of the house of the Lord? The, being in this building does you no good if you don't have an encounter with God. Come on, folks. You'll never have the Holy Ghost long enough not to pray. You're never going to get to heaven without prayer. You've got to open your mouth and talk to the Lord and have communion with Him. You got to do it. You should want to do it. Some of you just stare me down like you're a rock. That's how you pray too. My goodness, open your mouth and tell the Lord what it is. Now, God, I'm facing some big decisions now. You can be seated.
I'm facing some big decisions now, Lord, and I, and I need you to get involved here. I don't know what I'm doing, but you do. You, you've got the bird's eye view. You know the end from the beginning. You're the author and the finisher of my faith. Father, I'm asking you to move in this situation. I don't know what to even pray for. I don't, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I just, I've got this, this, and this, and I don't know. It's got to work out. And somehow you are the God of all knowledge. You have all wisdom. You have all counsel. You, you know it all, and I need you to get it. That's what prayer, that's what prayer is. This is not prayer. God, I need you to give me this new car. That's not prayer. Prayer is, Lord, now you see this old clunker I'm driving. Or you see this car, i got to turn it in. It's a lease, and I need you to put me in the right car. Lord, I'm kind of getting tired of this car. It's got, it's got a few tears in the seats, and that it's got a wobble on the right-hand side, and I don't feel like putting a bunch of money into it. So I need you. When you're ready, God, I need you to put me in the right place at the right time and bless me with a new car. That's how you pray. But you say, well, we can't pray for that kind of stuff. Listen, prayer is raw. It's open. It, it's just being honest with God. Here's what's going on, Lord. I got 10 people over here that hate me. If they're not going to love me, I pray that you give me the strength to forgive them and to love them anyway in spite of the fact that they hate me. That's what prayer sounds like. It, it's just a conversation with the Lord. I'm sorry. I just got a little agitated there for just a moment. I just don't. Oh, Lord, have mercy. People are so bored. Whew. Now, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. You know when they asked him that? Right after he prayed. They were sitting there listening to Jesus pray. And it was like. Listen to that. I mean, it's like he's talking to his father like he's right here. Lord, teach us to pray. Help us to understand. It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. John the Baptist taught his disciples. Now, he does not want us praying vain words of repetition. But he does encourage importunity. The story, the unjust judge, he said, this, this woman's getting on my nerves. I'm not going to do this for her. I don't feel like doing this for her. But he did. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God, the Bible said he did it because of her importunity or because of her persistence or because of her continual coming. Jesus is using that story as a key to prayer, to answer prayer. He said, shall not God avenge his own elect? which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. You might have to wait a while. But when he does it, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith in the earth? Is he going to find anybody praying? The Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, 
And shall not God avenge his own elect which cried day and night? Did I put that there in there twice? I copied that twice. Sounded good the second time too though. Now, I don't think I've ever done that. That was cool. Now, yeah, it must be important. God knows our needs. But he said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. God is ready to answer. You know what his answer is most of the time? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. You got that, just wait. Most of the time. But he's answering. He said, well, I hadn't heard him say that. Yep, that's why he closed the door for the season. <laughs> God's ready to answer, but yet we must wait patiently and persist. Now watch this. I'm trying to wrap it up, but I've got a little bit more. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 Jesus said, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, watch, and rememberest not that you have ought against your brother, but that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Why? Because the altar is a place of reconciliation. Thank you. James chapter 4 and verse 2 in the New Living Translation. He said, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it, anyway, take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask... You don't get it because your motors are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. The King James said that you may consume it upon your own lust. I'm headed for the runway. Our understanding of prayer will correspond directly to our, un our understanding of God. If we think that God is a hard man who doesn't care, who has no compassion, like a lot of people that were raised by abusive fathers or absent fathers, we project that on God or the way they've been treated their entire life. So God must be the same way. He must feel the same way about me. That's what shame tells you. Your understanding of prayer will directly correspond to your understanding of God. When God is seen as desiring to bless and that he is free to respond to persons, all persons that will call out to him, then prayer will be seen as a dialogue with God. God will respond when we faithfully pursue this dialogue.
But if the only time you talk to God is when you're in crisis, you're using him. You don't have a relationship with him. If the only time you get desperate to communicate with him is when you're in crisis, you're using him. But people that want this communion with God, many times they come asking nothing. God, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to know you. God, would you help me to understand you? I didn't come to ask you for anything today. I just came to talk and listen. Lord, if there's things that you want to say to me, deposit that in my spirit. Let me hear it out here. Let me hear it in my mind. Let me hear it in my heart. Whatever, but speak to me, Lord. If you got to speak to me with a thunder, do that. If you got to speak to me with a still, small voice, you can do that. Prayer will lead to a greater communion with God and a greater understanding of his will. When you, when you constantly talk with the Lord, you automatically find yourself in his will. Somebody needs to hear that. Those of you that are frustrating yourself trying to find his will, when you talk to the Lord, the Lord doesn't make it a guessing game. He just naturally, it just happens organically. You find yourself in the will of God every minute of every day because the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I want you to stand. Here's, here's what we're going to do. You can come up here. You can stay back there. It doesn't matter to me. But, but we're just going gonna to take about three or four minutes here. And we're going to have a conversation with the Lord. Say, what, what are we going to pray about? Whatever you want to pray about. Whatever he wants you to pray about. We're not, we're not going to bust out into weeping and screwing our face up. And I understand there's times for that. But sometimes you just got to speak confidently with the Lord. And don't ask him for anything. So what I'd like for you to do, if you want to get started in the right direction, just tell the Lord about your day. Tell him about your day. He knows about my day. Yeah. But he'd like to hear about it from you. From your perspective. But make sure in there. You tell him. Lord I don't know where you were in every situation. But I know you were with me. I know today thy rod and thy staff. They comforted me. Today thou prepared a way before me. In the presence of mine enemy. Or to set a table for me in the presence of mine enemy. Today you led me beside the still waters. Today you restored my soul. Lord, tomorrow, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't know what's going to befall me tomorrow. Just talk to him. I don't know what's going to happen on tomorrow. I don't know what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. But I want to spend it with you, Lord. I want to feel you. 
I want to know you. I want your glory, God, to wrap me. Just wrap me up tomorrow. You know what, what's going to be on the horizon. You know what lies before me. You know what I'm going to encounter when I go into work in the morning or late tonight. You know the cars that are going to be on both sides of me and front and back on the interstate tomorrow. And I pray, Lord, that you would protect me and guard me, guard my family, watch over my children. I know, Lord God, that you're going to be with me and with my spouse. I pray that you'd bless my company, Lord. When I walk in my office, when I walk in the company tomorrow, most people in the company may not even know who I am, but you know who I am. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would let the presence of God and the glory of God and the angels of heaven go before me. Let there be a, a peace that comes over that office. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with me on the line where I serve. The people that I encounter, Lord, they may be on their break outside smoking a cigarette. They may be in the cubicle a few feet away talking about what they're going to do tomorrow night and this weekend, what party they're going to and how much drinking they're going to do and what bar they're going to attend and who they're going to hook up with. But, Lord, I pray that conviction would come on them. Be with me, Lord. Let conviction come upon those that surround me everywhere that I go. Let them feel the presence of God. Let them feel the anointing of God. Come on, it's real easy. It's real easy to just talk to Him. Lord, I pray that you'd order my steps tomorrow. I pray that you would help me to please you. In the mighty name of Jesus, oh Lord, let me see a miracle done in somebody's life tomorrow. Let it be my life. Let it be somebody in my family. I pray that you'd be with me. Come on. I realize that some of you think that this is just obligatory right here, that we're just going to mark three or four minutes off and say, well, that's a good example. No, no. I'm trying to get somebody to talk to him because when you do, the Spirit of the Lord is going to be activated to work on your behalf in some situations in your life. Lord, the decisions I've made lately, I'm a little uncertain about the way they're turning out to be, and I, I don't know exactly what's happening, but, but you know, Lord God, and all things work together for the good of them that love God, who are the called according to your purpose. I pray for your peace, Lord, upon my home. I pray for joy, God, to come upon my household, my workplace. I pray that people would feel it when I walk into the gas station, Lord, to, to pay for the gas or to buy a bottle of water, a pack of gum. I pray that somebody, Lord, would feel the presence of God when I drive through Chick-fil-A tomorrow, McDonald's or, or Wendy's, Lord, when I walk into Jimmy John's or Port of Iarda, I pray, God, that the anointing of the Lord would go before me and that they would understand that something different is going on in my life. And I pray that somebody would hunger for you, God, just by looking at me. I'm a walking epistle, known and read of all men. I pray that your spirit would reverberate in my life. Let people feel the anointing of God as they come into my, my company. They come within proximity of me, God, not so that I can get the glory, so that you can get the glory, so that they can be drawn closer to you in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, I pray for our nation. Would you overshadow our nation? Would you cover our nation, Lord? Would you expose every lie? Would you pull the cover back on every lie? In the name of Jesus, would you shut the mouths and stop the tongues of those that would rise up against your people? Oh, Lord God, would you be... Would you be a bastion of hope to the world in the name of Jesus? Would you inspire faith? Would you connect them to you? Would you tap into that measure of faith that you've dealt to every man and let there be a revival born and birthed in our nation? Help us, oh Lord God, to be the people of God in this hour of time. Help us to rise up and be holy and be anointed and be powerful and use us, Lord God, to heal the sick to raise the dead, to open the eyes of the blind, both naturally and spiritually. Jesus, in your name, God, we need a holy visitation of your power and your spirit moving in this last day. And we give you the praise, God. We give you the praise because tomorrow we're going to wake up and it's going to be the day that the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it, God. If there's negativity, we're going to rejoice. If there's positivity, we're going to rejoice. Hallelujah, Lord. We pray that you would order our Friday. I pray that you'd be with us as we sleep tonight. Those people in this place, God, who've been having encounters with demonic spirits, walking up in their bedroom in the middle of the night, I pray that you cover them in the name of the Lord and let the angel of heaven drive out the tormenting spirits of the enemy. Let the spirit of witchcraft be pushed against it in the name of the Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus right now. You can be dismissed when you want to, but I, if you just pray just another couple of minutes, I feel a visitation of heaven moving in this place. I pray, God, that you would teach us to pray. Help us to learn to have a conversation with you. In the name of Jesus, I bind every devil in hell. I come against the spirit of Jezebel. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Hallelujah, Lord God. Let the light of your glory drive out the darkness. I pray every nation under heaven come under the influence of the divine power of God. Be sovereign, Lord. I pray that you bring down every government that's trying to oppress the people. In Jesus' name, let freedom reign. Let freedom move throughout every nation under heaven. Open up the world, God. Let peace and freedom reign. Let the Spirit of the Lord move throughout every nation and tongue and creed. In Jesus' name, God, let revival infiltrate our church. Give us a hunger. Give us a hunger for the things of God. In the name of the Lord, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now just for a moment or two, I want, you to, I want you to let the Lord begin to pray through you. I want you to pray in that unknown tongue. But I want you to, let, I want you to speak what you're hearing. I want you to let the Lord speak what he wants to say. In the name of Jesus, oh God, let the Spirit flow through this place. Teach us to pray. Help us, Lord God, to go deeper than we've ever been. To move into places of intercession and travail and spiritual warfare. 
like we've never been. But let us be mediators. Let us be intercessors. Let that divine flow be there. Sometimes it's like a warring soldier. Sometimes it's like a groaning mother giving birth to a child. Sometimes it's the spirit of rest speaking through us, bringing life, bringing healing to our bodies. Let it flow, Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it, come on. Let the flow of God, let him take you somewhere beyond where you've been before. Just hear that tongue in your spirit. Speak what the Lord is saying. Oh, hallelujah. It's a language. It's a dialect. He'll move you from one to the other, from one depth and dimension to the other. In Jesus' name, Lord, you're worthy God of praise. Woo! Hallelujah. I feel his anointing, God. I'm asking you again to teach us to pray. Let there be a divine impartation of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. Move on every child of God in this place and teach us how to have a conversation with you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we glorify the name of Jesus. We exalt you, dear Lord. You are higher than the heavens. You are beyond the confines of time and space. Teach us to pray in the synagogue. Teach us to pray, Lord, in the prayer closet. Teach us to pray in the, in the car driving down the road. Teach us to pray walking behind the lawnmower. Teach us to pray, God, while we're hammering the two-by-fours together. Teach us to pray, God, while we're supervising at work. Teach us to pray while we're doing the books. Teach us to pray, God, sitting at the computer. Teach us to pray while we're reading the Word of God. In the name of Jesus, oh God, let it be so in this place. Help us, Lord God, to go beyond vain repetition, repeating the same words and the same phrases over and, again, over, and over again. Help us, Lord God, to have that deep connection with our closest friend.